0: This
1: way? Yeah. yeah. Where, where are you headed? Oh, yeah.
0: Yeah, down the hallway. I actually might need a code to get out on that door. I think there's codes everywhere Good morning, this is Talking Animals on WMNF. I'm Duncan Strauss, and my guest today is Jane O'Hara, the animal advocate and artist. O'Hara, whose paintings explore animal issues, depict their plight, and explore our relationships with them is mere days away from unveiling a new exhibition called State of the Union. O'Hara has explained that this project began as a way to take a look at how we mistreat animals in contrast to our celebration of the unique qualities within each of our 50 states. Consequently, the paintings for each of the 50 employs an array of images, symbols, references, and other elements, like the state animal, unique to that state. At the same time, a cat is seen somewhere within each painting reacting differently, though most assuredly characteristically cat-like, in each of the canvases. I'll speak with O'Hara, a guest on Talking Animals five years ago, about the guiding principle of this new exhibit, how she arrived at the combination of elements she included in paintings representing certain states, why she decided to include the cat as a motif across all 50 paintings, and so on when I want to speak with her in just a few moments here on Talking Animals on WNO. Also, coming up a bit later, In today's program, as we noted, we'll hear another important entreaty about WMNF's Meet the Match, the endowment fund we're seeking to build in order to build WMNF itself and ensure a healthy, prosperous future for the station. More on that, again, coming up a bit later in today's show. Right now, though, let's talk art, animals, how animals are treated, maybe mistreated in some cases, as depicted in State of the Union. The new exhibition by my next guest, Jane O'Hara, with a reminder that I invite you to join the conversation by calling 813-239-9663, emailing DJ at WMNF.org, texting 813-433-0885. This is Jane O'Hara back on Talking Animals on WMF. Good morning, Jane. Hi,
2: Duncan. How are
0: you? I'm very well. Thanks for joining us again on Talking Animals.
2: For having
0: me. So when we spoke, I guess about five years ago, we touched on what animals had meant to you very early in your life, as well as later, and and then so on. So I think we should revisit some of those topics, in part because I'm fairly sure not everyone listening now was likely to have heard that 2018 conversation, but also because it will provide, I think, important context for the core portion of today's conversation. So when did animals become first become important to you?
2: Well, animals have been important to me ever since i can remember we always had an animal at our house um when they started to enter my paintings was quite a bit later i i was doing artwork and doing some landscape painting and i realized that i was kind of bored with that so i started to insert animals into my paintings and they never left but um as far as my earlier life uh i really wasn't exposed to a lot of wildlife or, you know, I had sort of your typical suburban upbringing and my experience of animals was the occasional squirrel and raccoon, aside from companion animals of my friends and myself.
0: Yeah, I got you. So when did you first become bothered, let's say, by how animals were treated?
2: Um, I'm not really good at keeping records of years, but I would say probably maybe 15 years ago, I was increasingly learning about what goes on behind the scenes with animals. Um, I first read a book called uh, Diet for a New America by John Robbins, Mm -hmm and Robin's fame, and uh, that was not what had me become vegan or really, but it certainly was what opened my eyes, and I felt like it was an impossible thing to change to that degree, but I, uh, the more I learned, it sort of opened my eyes, and I started uh, learning more and more and getting involved with various groups like PETA and Mercy for Animals and um, Realizing you know, learning what goes
0: on. So, as you were learning more and setting up as you propelled yourself down this path, was that parallel to when your artwork was becoming more and more animal oriented?
2: Yeah. So, I had started putting animals in my paintings, as I mentioned, and I was mostly celebrating their humor or their beauty. And, um, as I was learning these things, it started to inform my artwork. I started to um, insert some of the more troubling things. The painting I did is actually a five-foot-tall reen called "Sacrifice." Was pretty much of a turning point for me, and I had gone to the Byzantium exhibition at the Metropolitan Museum of Art, um, and I was struck by all how, how all of these saints had sacrificed their lives for this. Uh, higher power, and I started thinking about animals who had sacrificed their lives for a higher power, of course, not their choice, and um, the idea kept nagging at me to do this this painting, and uh, I really didn't want to do it because, honestly, I wasn't really thinking of myself as an animal advocate, and I didn't um, didn't really know anything about going down that road, but the idea kept nagging at me so much that I was like, oh, okay, I'll just do it. So that was a turning point and, uh, doing the research, uh, for that, um, painting, which basically shows all these different animals with vestments of, of corporations and, um, that sort of thing that they'd sacrifice their lives to through animal testing or entertainment, et cetera. Through that, um, I started to really up the ante as far as the information I was getting and, and, you know, looking into it and not wanting to close my eyes anymore.
0: So when you say it's a turning point, did that also mean that you went from, as you noted earlier, inserting animals in your artwork to kind of flipping the equation so the artwork was actually. Uh, fundamentally about animals or representing animals from that point forward?
2: Um, It became a mix. You know, I definitely have continued to paint paintings that celebrate animals and their beauty, and um, I don't always uh, focus on some of the darker things that go on, but it certainly became a time when that became more and more the case. So I started using various metaphors in my work um, to introduce these things. Um, I'm actually going to have a couple of paintings, older paintings, in an exhibition this Friday at William Scott Gallery in Provincetown, Mass. And uh, the metaphor I used in those paintings basically were um, a road. So uh, one of the painting is called "Pigs in the Road," and so these pigs are just like in a headlights, um, dark background, and just using these metaphors. To, um talk about the um sorry, to talk about the uh, um,
0: vulnerability that's the word I'm looking for okay um and so then it it sounds like it just kind of evolved so now when when you do any kind of painting or any kind of piece of art is an animal involved in one way or another whether it's a celebration or something uh kind of a more uh provocative exploration but it basically is all your work now kind of involve animals of one kind or another
2: Yeah, I would say that's a definite yes. Yeah.
0: This is Talking Animals on WNF from Duncan Shouse. If you just tuned in, my guest is Jane O'Hara, the animal advocate and artist who's about to unveil a new exhibition called State of the Union, in which she examines how each of the states treat, and in some cases mistreat, animals relative to their images amidst other explorations. If you have a question or comment for Jane, please call 813 239 9663. Email dj at wnf.org or text 813 433 0885. So, what was the beginning of the idea for State of the Union? Tell me about the process of Considering this concept?
2: I was in Florida at the time and um, I was learning about, I've been reading about. Mostly at that point from Jane Velez Mitchell, Jane Unchained's reporting about some things that were going on in Florida, the unnecessary bear hunts, orphaning, hundreds of bear cubs and macaque macaque monkeys being raised for animal testing and uh, as just a couple. And um, I just was interested in the contrast to the sunny, fun image of Florida Mm -hmm. that we often think of. So... I just came up with this idea. The metaphor that I used in this painting, which I had been using in my work before then, was the bubble. I'm interested in the bubble because I'm interested in simultaneous existences sort of floating by in time, completely unrelated to each other and unaware of each other in a lot of cases. And so I used the bubble as a way to insert these troubling things going on with animals in each State. But at
0: that point, it was Florida. So, Florida, this whole experience of thinking about the bear hunt, the macaque uh, monkeys, and the research for them—because you were in Florida at the time—that was sort of like the jumping-off point. But how did you go from thinking, "Well, this is an interesting idea," especially the contrast, the juxtaposition, uh, greetings from Florida, et cetera, et cetera? I mean, to thinking, "Hey, I could, I might well do this for all fifty states." That seems like a gigantic <laughs> leap.
2: <laughs> I agree. <laughs> Well, I, uh, I'm a person who does not really necessarily plan ahead. I sort of jump in the deep end and then learn to swim. So I had done this painting, and I applied for a residency, a rare air residency in Alamosa, Colorado, at Adams State University. And I used that painting um, with the idea to do other paintings. And so I got into the residency, and I did four more paintings at that point, Massachusetts, California, Rhode Island, and Colorado. And so um, I also had a a show there of this work and gave a presentation about this work, and it was that kind of momentum that got me thinking, okay, I'm going to do all 50 states.
0: Well, in some ways, this kind of reminded me, there was uh, a few years ago, there was this really, still is, uh, talented singer-songwriter named Sufjan Stevens, who, as a kind of tongue-in-cheek publicity stunt, claimed he was going to make an album about each of the 50 states. And he actually Mm -hmm. did make two, Michigan and Illinois. And they were both actually pretty acclaimed, but there's been no sign of or mention of the other 48 albums since. And again, I think it was just sort of a pretty tongue in cheek thing initially. Just I think that one of his publicists dreamed up or whatever. But I mean, making just one album is obviously a major undertaking that can take a long time and be delayed for one yeah. reason or another. Your situation is different, but still, did you have related qualms when you felt like, okay, now I've done four of these? I guess I got to keep going.
2: Well, the next step was I approached, um, New Bedford Art Museum where I had been in a a group show previous to that and developed a Little relationship with the director at the time, Jamie Ureski, and she, you know, I showed her the work, and she was excited by it, and said, "Would you like a show?" And I said, "Yes." So three years in the future, there was to be a show. So that became the motivating factor as well.
0: And how was it booked? How was it determined it was going to be three years in the future? Just because you figured well, it would take you that long to get the whole fifty states uh, on on canvases?
2: No, actually, that's how far they were booked out.
0: Okay. But probably some relief to you, because I would think, I mean, this sounds like uh, a pretty daunting undertaking. When you get three or four, that's great. And then you get 10 or 12, and it's like, oh, my God, I still have, you know, quite a few to go to hit 50.
2: Yeah, yeah. It's uh, definitely, there were a number of points throughout these years where I've been like, what am I doing? But um, I get very, you know, consumed with each painting I'm doing. And so, I don't know, I don't really find myself thinking about what's ahead or even what's behind when I'm in it, I'm just
0: doing the painting well speaking of that talk a little bit about the process for creating the paintings that are state of the union pieces i mean for example did you work on each state as you began obviously you did this but as you kept going did you just work on one state at a time or did you start to bounce from state to state sorting out kind of images and reputations that that state might have when it comes to animals or animal welfare and then just kind of work on on multiple paintings simultaneously
2: um i approached it a little differently at different points um When I was at the residency, I worked on four at once. Then I began to work one at a time. And then at a certain point, I prepped many of the canvases and worked on the, you know, just the postcard image of the lettering of that state. And then I developed folders that I was always um, doing Googling and getting research on all of different states of things that go on both uh, happy positive stuff like the state animals state flower things to do sites to see iconic people from there um things that that state wanted to promote and then i would uh have other folders for each state of things that go on that are um uh, bad for animals uh, whether in the entertainment food, animal testing, clothing, um, all the different areas in which uh, animals are sacrificed.
0: And so as you got working that way, did there start to be like, well, to have this painting sort of be similar to the one I just completed, this, we need to uh, include this, this, and this about the state, like was there sort of a criteria almost in a way artistically where you said, well... Here's what the state animal is. Here's what the motto or, or, or kind of overall reputation might be. But we need to make sure X, Y, and Z is represented as well.
2: Yeah, I mean, the backgrounds of the paintings are pretty consistent. You know, I include a landscape, things about that state in the landscape, um, the state animal, state flag sometimes the state flower wasn't a given that I'd have all these things, but mostly I did. And then, uh, and then putting my cat Nelly in, uh, Uh. (laughs) um, but, um, generally the states all had five bubbles and it wasn't necessarily representing each area that, that has, uh, issues for animals that, you know, some states, the things that were really coming up were more focused on entertainment, like hunting circuses and um, that sort of thing but um, you know some states are very factory farm intensive and so I might have more to do with that it just is really based on kind of the things that I, that I was coming up with when I was searching and learning about the state so I put I put the things that I felt were most kind of dominating I guess I'd say in that State, you
0: know. Right. So there so there might be four or five or, or more things about a given state that you might have come across or just knew intuitively, but then you would kind of winnow down to what you thought was like the most powerful or, or made the greatest uh, sort of statement.
2: Exactly. And sometimes I would focus on, you know, the state animal is the bear, say, and that the bear hunting is really huge in that state, I would want to use those two things
0: because of the uh, irony yeah i got gotcha. you all right well i just want to let folks know that this is talking animals on WNF and uh in just a moment or two we're going to hear a little bit more about meet the match the endowment uh, building the endowment fund we're seeking to really develop here so that WNF can continue to develop and have a good solid future and we're going to hear more from Gary Gibbons in just a moment or two about that. One of the things he talked about and made another reference to that I, I just loved. I think because for people who maybe haven't seen your work, talk more about the bubbles and what that, what, how that works within your paintings.
2: Yeah, it's a um, it's a way in which I can show these basically these worlds that float by each other that are unconnected, and so um, that's. But that theme that I'm consumed with is these separate yet unequal experiences for animals and people. Um, They're happening at the same time and basically unaware of each other, using that metaphor, in our own bubble. So I I like to play with that. Um, I find it a a kind of powerful way to represent that idea.
0: So each thing started to have five bubbles, though, so that seemed like it became like an important... um... Uh, sort of running theme that that have a a certain number of bubbles, which means a certain number of things that have a different context within the overall painting.
2: Yeah. I had to put a limit on how many bubbles there. So so many things go on in every state. Every state. Uh, Some people ask me like, what state might not have bubble information? But um, anyway, um, just uh, visually, you know, aesthetically, I came to the idea of five. I felt like it was a Good balance um, against the background and with the letters, the letters of the state containing all this information about um, things that state would like to be uh, remembered for, and the landscape, and then the bubbles. So I, I felt like it was a good visual balance as well.
0: Gotcha. All right, this is Talking Animals on WNF. I'm Duncan Strass. My guest is animal advocate and artist Jane O'Hara, who next week on June 1st opens an ambitious new exhibition called State of the Union at New Bedford Art Museum in New Bedford, Massachusetts. We invite you to join the conversation by calling 813-239-9663, emailing dj at wmnf.org, or texting 813 813- Four three we're going to come back to our conversation with jane in just a moment but we do want to have an important uh return to our sort of important uh, discussion that we're having periodically t- throughout today's programming for meet the match and we have gary gibbons in here to uh describe what that means and how you he can help wnf uh, secure its future gary
3: Yeah, we're um, doing a special one-day fund drive for uh, an endowment for WMNF, which is a savings account that's going to be socially and uh, responsibly invested for the future of WMNF. And, um, you know, I want my grandkids to be able to listen to this station and get the information uh, that you cannot find anywhere else uh, when they get to be my age. You know, and and in order to do that, we're going to have to make an investment, and so we're asking people to do that today, because we have an opportunity to receive a one hundred thousand dollar match from the Community Foundation of Tampa Bay if we we're able to raise an additional thirty thousand dollars today. We're right on our way to getting there. We've raised already one hundred and seventy thousand dollars during the last year, and uh, but we only have another month to to close the gap on this final 30,000. So I I want you to think about how the, it would be if we did not have WMNF in our lives. I I use one word to describe that. I think it's irreplaceable because you, when you hear the backstory of how this station started and you think about all the changes that have occurred, especially in the news and public affairs arena since for the last since 1979. Locally, we used to have two Tampa newspapers. There are none now in Tampa. Two in St. Pete, morning and afternoon. Uh, radio stations that had local reporters that actually went to city council meetings and so forth. The only one that has survived, the, the Tampa Bay Times, which is a shadow of what it used to be, and WMNF and, and our news department. And, and now we're not just a local community radio station. We have a worldwide audience. You can, I, I've used the app, to, to listen to it in uh, Europe and in South America. And it's just incredible yeah. to have WMF at your fingertips. So while you have that app, if you'll open that up and hit the donate button right now, it'll take you to a special page today for a meet the match uh, our meet the match campaign and make a donation. And please understand that a it's, tax deductible. B, uh, it's going to be matched. Every dollar you give is going to be matched today up to that 30000 And so... Um you know how could you how could you go wrong? Today is the day to, to make this happen and meet the match.
0: Yeah, so the tip jar uh, is, is earmarked for meet the match for t- today t- t- only. Today only. Yeah. And again, just so this kind of magical thing doesn't pass by, the fact that your money can be doubled. So if you send us a hundred bucks, that's two hundred, and uh, and we really want to make sure that we don't leave any money on the table because that overall matching uh, fund we have got to hit that endowment. Because otherwise, Gary said earlier, and this thing caught my eye here, and probably yours too, that we might there might be a future where we don't have as many fund drives because we're financially stable through this fund.
3: That's that's a motivating factor. That, that, for I think all that's of a us. lot of
0: perk for for programmers, <laughs> for listeners, for donators, for everybody. So there's all kinds of reasons to uh, to do whatever you can today to donate to WMF to uh, really again double your money and uh, help secure WMS future so just yeah. go to wmnf.org and uh, hit the uh, hit the donate uh, button and there you are, there you are do it
3: right now please it, it, you you'll feel so good you know where else can you make a donation to uh, an organization that has a mission uh, for equality peace social justice and protecting the environment and that's what we're all about and uh, and bringing you
0: information that you cannot get anywhere else. So let's do that, and uh, thanks, Gary. And we're going to return now to our conversation with Jane O'Hara. Thank you. Absolutely, thank you, Gary. And again, she's an artist and longtime animal advocate, and she's got this uh, major exhibition opening next week called State of the Union, and we've been talking about that. So one of the things I'd like to sort of come back to, if we could, Jane, is were some states notably more challenging than others to work on in some way or another?
2: Um, I guess I would say no.
0: No? Okay. No, because I, I, just, I just imagine that, for example, either that state didn't have as high a profile in terms of either animals or animal welfare, or conversely, perhaps, maybe a given state has... has such a, a awful track record with animals that it was maybe particularly upsetting to sort of work on that piece.
2: Well, I won't say it wasn't upsetting. Um, and I have learned some things I didn't know, which I already knew a lot about what goes on. Some of the things I learned was really pretty shocking to me but and then as it went on state by state i started to realize oh that goes on there too that goes on there too uh like the banana derby have you heard of the banana derby
0: tell everybody listening what the banana derby is and what the that involves
2: a form of entertainment where they tether the small monkeys to dogs and they race them. And I just found that to be it. so. They call it the banana derby.
0: And what um, state or states, I guess I should say, does that take place?
2: Oh boy, that's going to require me having a memory.
0: <laughs> okay, well, you, just just a few off the top of your head, if it's if it's that many.
2: I think Alabama, uh, let's do the southern states, I'd say, um, but I'm not. I, I just don't have that. Okay. Yeah, I mean, you can imagine all of the information that's floating around in my head after doing this.
0: Yeah, that. no, that's a lot of states and a lot of issues. and. Um,
2: but some were, were, they weren't more difficult. They were just challenging in different ways. Uh, some had so much going on that I had to whittle it down as to what. Um, and, you know, the joy of the project has been, you know, just some of the random silliness that you find that each, that state is um, has going on or the powerful figures and the sim- symbolic reverence for animals that's rooted in that state. Um, it was really uh, a joy. It really made me feel, and I mean this, that there's not a state I wouldn't want to go to now, even though on the other hand, I'm also learning about the horrible things going on. But frankly, there's no state where, in my opinion, horrible things Don't go on. So
0: So you ended up actually very encouraged in terms of your feelings across all 50 states.
2: I'm sorry, say that again?
0: So you ended up encouraged and sort of feeling good about the state of animals and animal welfare across all 50 states.
2: Well, what I started to feel good about was how interesting and um, fascinating the states are across this nation, but um, not deeply encouraged about what goes on with animals, Um, it's very, very uh, actually upsetting. But I do feel there's more awareness, and obviously this is my contribution to that awareness, um, to try and sensitize people to what is going on behind the food they eat, the entertainment they C, um,
0: etc. So, in working on State of the Union, what what were some of the bigger surprises as you delved into maybe a state that you weren't otherwise hadn't been as familiar with before undertaking the project?
2: Well, I'm fairly ignorant about a bunch of states. Um, I
0: didn't <laughs> stop. Really know- stop your bragging, there, Jane. That's uh- a <laughs>
2: I uh, I didn't know about, I mean, I've heard of the Badlands. I didn't really know what they looked like. And, you know, just looking at pictures of the Badlands is fascinating. Um, you know, just uh, every state has so many natural sites as well as um, pop icon iconography and, and everything in between. People that are born there, people that live their lives there. It's fascinating. Yeah. The, yeah.
0: No, it sounds like you really necessarily... I had to delve into each state uh, pretty deeply to find what was what you were going to use to represent uh, that state and what was going to make it into the bubbles. And uh, so you really had to do some kind of serious study, re- research, historical and otherwise, to, uh, to be able to tackle each state.
2: Yeah, it is true. I, I did spend, you know, a good deal of time on that. And, um, you know, I just decided I, I'm not going to get into politics. Um, I'm just going to try and keep it on. Um, well, the landscape and the things to see and that sort of thing.
0: Yeah, and you alluded to there's a, a nice looking cat in uh, in these paintings. So, kind of reminds me of some of the artists are. Or- Uh, caricatures or other who put a a name or a certain symbol or a cartoonist do this sometimes too so but sometimes those are sort of hidden things for sharp-eyed fans to find your your cat is obviously openly visible and also it's an animal so tell me about this cat and why it appears in these paintings uh
2: i didn't put Nellie in in the paintings at first but i what did i there's a there's a comic artist, uh, Carl Stevens, who does a series about his cat. Um, forgetting the name right now, Penny. And uh, I just was really intrigued with this idea of basically the cat creating part of the narrative, just carrying you through all of the series. And um, so I went back and I added Nellie to earlier ones. Um, you know, I'm as I said, I'm fascinated with the contrasting themes of casting human traits on our animal companions versus you know, the hellscape that uh, animals are raised in and other scenarios. So Ellie's my animal companion who I adored and probably passed human traits onto as well. Um, But I I wanted to add, I I felt it was a way to add some lightheartedness. I'm just you know, one of the things about cats that I always feel and a lot of people feel is that they're basically their own thing. That that, that life's on their terms, you know. They um nap, they might, you know, be interested in various things, but they have their own their own world and they're happy in it. And I, I feel that's the case of all animals given given the chance um so it just became she became like a metaphor and um so she could have her reaction or non-reaction to what's going on around her
0: yeah well that's one of the things that kind of struck me too is sometimes she's just kind of sitting there sometimes she's actively looking at something or kind of interacting with something so how did you decide what was going to be Nellie's thing in, in a given painting and and what determined that
2: Nellie Entered each painting basically at the end. It was more or less the last thing I added. Okay. Um, There's rarely, not that often, do I have her reacting to what's going on in the bubbles. But there was one bubble, which was um, uh, a resource center for um, animals, uh, you know, like deceased animals that you could buy and then use in whatever testing or whatever. And that they found when they investigated, they found... um, At this place, that there were all these collars with tags, so that, you know, bunchers or whatever had found these animals to be used in this way. And so in that painting, I have Nellie kind of crap, you know, kind of clasping onto the bubble from behind, you know, with a look of (laughs) horror. And I do have a couple of uh, others where she's reacting like she wants to pop the bubble with her.
0: Yeah, it would seem like that would be tempting uh, for for yeah. Nellie in almost any, every instance. Yeah,
2: <laughs> but sometimes uh, you know she's interacting with um, the you know some animals like the state animals, the marmot and one of them, and she's her, her hackles are raised and she's um, reacting that way. Or sometimes she's just climbing a tree or sitting on the letters, lounging about.
0: Yeah. <laughs> So, as we've noted, the exhibition, State of the Union, opens next Thursday, June 1st, in in New Bedford, Massachusetts. What are your hopes for the impact of the exhibition?
2: Well, I would love it if um, it would help break away the numbness we've let creep into our relationship with animals. Um, I also, you know, I think kind of a signature of my artwork is I create somewhat visually enticing things so people are drawn in and then hopefully can um question or think about some of the ways that they see animals or even the state itself
0: are there ways that you hope that some of these pieces or the the collection overall will influence people
2: yeah i hope it will i hope it'll creep into their subconscious and force them all to become vegans.
0: there you go (laughs)
2: But um, I, want, I want to also travel the show. I would like to find other institutions or other small museums that would show it. And I feel that um, I'm also um, publishing a book. And, yeah, I just I hope that people will be intrigued enough to look into each state and see what's going on, that it will have them thinking.
0: And I was going to ask about the exhibit traveling. So at the moment, it sounds like there, there aren't current plans for it but that maybe after it opens next week that that may come together.
2: Right, yeah. So I've been mainly focused on getting this together for this, and I will use this exhibition and, you know, the book as well as a way to, you know, try to promote the idea of moving it to various places. And talk—oh, go ahead, sorry. No, I haven't— Focused, focused on that, but it's definitely my plan.
0: Um, so tell me a little bit about the book. What will that, obviously that will, I assume contain at least some, if not all, the images from the exhibition, but what will it, in addition, do as a book?
2: Um, the book will have all of the states, all of the paintings I've done, which is the 50 states and the title piece, which is USA, State of the Union. Mm-hmm. And uh, I have a forwarded, uh, forward written by Gretchen Primack, um, a beautiful writer. and yeah. um, And, um, and uh, some more, um, Yvette Matern, who is an a artist who has written mostly focusing on the postcard type. She was interested in that aspect of using the postcard um, iconography. And uh, so... Each painting, when I've been posting them on social media, et cetera, I have uh, written some text about that painting, about what you're looking at. And Mm. so each page will have the image on one side and then the text on the other and the description of the painting. So um, that's basically it. It's a way of cataloging the show, catalog series of paintings.
0: That sounds great. And uh, so we're sort of in our final moment or so here, Uh, Jane. So I'm, I'm curious, given everything you've described, that was involved in putting this together and again obviously i ambitious undertaking in what ways did working on state of the union change you
2: Cool. Oh. wow um well one way it changed me is it re- I made me realize that i could take on something like this and actually complete it
0: okay um,
2: i've learned a lot about um, both the positives and negatives of life in the world these days um, with animals, um, so it 's kind of focused me i 'd say as far as trying to think of ways in which I can use art as a way to advocate for animals
0: great well and that, and that I guess was a, a bit of a through line. For some time, right, because I sort of think of you as you in in some of your previous works, including some we discussed a few years ago, approaching it kind of that same way that like this was a form of advocacy through through those pieces.
2: Exactly. I, I mean, I have great admiration for those that are on the front lines doing things and that um, I use my artwork. As a way to do my contribution, I've done it in a number of ways as well as, you know, the artwork itself and what I'm representing. But um, donating to fundraisers for organizations like court or um, giving portraiture, portraits of animals to advocates that are, um, which is actually how I got involved with Jane Belez Mitchell Mm -hmm. um, initially. And um, what else? Just using using the art, I think um, I worked with an organization called Compassion Art, and um, and you know doing various projects, including a virtual exhibition I co-curated with Janella O'Rourke and uh, on the Fifth Trust, which is based on a book by uh, Jane Goodall and Mark Beckoff.
0: Yeah,
2: All the Ten Trusts, and so we did an exhibition called The Fifth Trust, and right. so um, this becomes another way that I can use the art. To, I believe in this organization because, obviously, Compassion Arts is about using the art for compassion and advocacy
0: of animals. For sure. Well, this all sounds very good, and uh, I wish you good luck. We've been speaking with Jane O'Hara. Again, the exhibition that's opening next week is State of the Union, and her website is JaneOHaraProjects.org, org. And um, I think with any luck, hopefully we can track that to see where... Uh, the exhibition may next travel to and multiple maybe locations with any luck. So some of us not as handy for uh, New Bedford could could see the actual uh, you know exhibition in person. So Jane, thank you so much for joining us again on talking animals and good luck with your exhibition.
2: Well, thank you so much.
0: Thank you. Bye bye. Bye bye now. Alright, we're gonna step into the comedy corner with a piece from David Huntsberger called The God of Ants. In today's comedy corner on Talking Animals on WMNF.
1: It just sucks that anytime science is making some strides, religion always interjects and stops them. Stem cell or anything like that. Like science will try to actually help disabled children. Hey, maybe we can get in there and tweak with the genes. Nope, we'll just keep praying. Sweet, that's worked never, so yeah, keep going with that. <laughs> And science will actually try to make a difference. And religion will come in and be like, uh-uh, you're playing God. Stem cells, you're playing God. Which I find is so odd that the same people who criticize you for playing God are the same ones that ask, what would Jesus do? <laughs> it seems a little hypocritical. Um, and who's to say, who's ever played God? I have. You ever done it? I've played God. I went out and I found a little colony of ants, decided to make them my people. And, uh... So I built them a little habitat, a little world they could live in. Only took me one day, I'm just saying. Uh, And I built them this little world, and then I just started watching them. They took right to it. They loved it. They were disco dancing and jet skiing and having all kinds of fun. And I thought, they probably want to know what this is all about. So one day I leaned in, and I was like, hey, guys, it's not about anything. Just enjoy yourselves. Have a good time. Peace. But I don't think they understood me because they just started waging war on each other immediately and dividing into different tribes. They were sacrificing virgin ants and stink bugs. <laughs> it was pandemonium. And all the while that was going on, I looked down. This one little ant was crawling up my leg. I was like, oh, he's going to come try to look God in the eye or bite me. I can't have that. Uh, so I started blowing on him. I'm like, get off me, dude. Get off me. And then I realized an ant can never look you in the eye. An ant can only just sort of perceive that you're here. If you put your finger down in an ant's way, he doesn't see your finger. He just sees another hill on his way to work. And then I realize, yeah, I am a hill to the sand. I'm from Mount Everest to the sand. And then I can picture his little climbing journal like, Base camp, day two. Elevation, four feet. The wind is blowing incessantly. I lost my Sherpa a little over an hour ago. I doubt i will ever see him again. I'll write his mother when I get home. And he did not get home. The wind was too strong for him and he died. And (laughs) while that was going on, I didn't realize I'd accidentally stepped in their little ocean I made for them. And a huge wave washed on the sea and swept a bunch of them out to their deaths. I was like, oh, sorry guys, it's me, idiot God, I'm bad at this, my (laughs) fault, sorry. But they had spent so much time fighting about me, they'd completely forgotten who I was. So all the little scientist ants were running around like, it was tectonic plates off the coast. It was a shift. It was an earthquake. I was like, what tectonic? You ungrateful little shits. Enjoy this. Have some aftershocks. You miserable little assholes. Never forget. And uh, Claire was not a good god. And they're like how similar we are to those ants. we like, that last tsunami that happened in 04, if that had happened 2,500 years ago, everyone would have been running around convinced that it was the gods. Poseidon, the god of the sea, we've angered the god of the sea. Anyone saying tectonic plates would have been beheaded. But in 04, anyone running around saying Poseidon would have been locked in a (laughs) straitjacket. Who's to know who's right? Maybe neither are right. Maybe we just got a little too close to someone's potato salad. (laughs) No? Okay. (laughs) I just, I like that idea of perception, you know, that we don't know what's going on. Who knows what the clouds are? We think we know, we don't. Maybe there are other beings trying to communicate with us. We're like, whoa, oh, it looks like a bunny. And the clouds are like, we're trying to be a buffalo. <laughs> <laughs> Let's strike these little, with lightning. <laughs> <laughs> no one knows.
0: That was David Huntsberger in today's comedy corner of the piece called The God of Ants, taken from his album, Humanitis. Coming up on WNF, uh, <coughs> a couple things. More immediately, the music kicks back. <coughs> excuse me, kicks back in with Scott Elliot from noon to 3 p.m. Glorious three hours of music followed by uh, Robin Hooper with yet another three hours of music, and we just keep the music coming as we roll into our block of Latin programming and beyond. Also next week, invite to join me on Talking Alice here, where my guest will be Donna Khalil python removal contractor sometimes called a python hunter with the South Florida Water Management District she's one of the most prolific specialists in an ongoing effort to manage this predator with an insatiable appetite no natural enemies and nothing in the way to stop its growth so we'll hear all about her work with pythons in the next edition of Talking Animals I invite you to join me for that show I also invite you to join me um, to visit TalkingAnimals.net for audio archives of every show we've ever Broadcast Apple Podcasts are available there. And just remember, today is meet-the-match day. So please go to WNF.org and do whatever you can. Again, your money is matched, it's doubled, and this is to help secure the future of WNF long-term. And um, so just go to WNF.org, hit the tip jar, which is earmarked today for meet-the-match fundraising. And uh, one of the perks that Gary and others have mentioned is that there might, might well be a future where there's fewer fun drives, so that's got its own uh, enticement right there so anyways, meanwhile my uh, thanks to Gary for coming in and tell us about that my thanks also of course to Jane O'Hara for filling us in on her forthcoming exhibition State of the Union sort of what fueled it and influenced it and shaped it and uh So we have just about reached the end of today's edition of Talking Animals. Thanks very much for listening. I'm Duncan Strauss. Have a good week. Be kind to animals. Be kind to others. Be kind to yourself. This is Talking Animals on WMF Tampa. Brandon Largo. Weeki wachee and beyond. And uh, Scott Elliott's up next after NPR News headlines. So stay tuned for all that and more happening the rest of the afternoon with Robin and uh, more great music, Latin programming, etc. on WNF Tampa. Thanks so much. us meet the match go to WNF.org and donate whatever you can and that money will be doubled to help secure the future of WNF with this meet the match endowment fund so please do so stay tuned Scott Elliott's coming up next first NPR news headlines and then right back to the great Scott Elliott thanks so much we'll see you next week on Talking Animals thanks